This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. Hello there, this is Jeremy Roberts on behalf of Hawke's Bay Poetry Live, a program broadcast weekly on Wednesday afternoons at 2pm and of course you can go to the website and listen to it as a podcast, download it, etc. Today I've had a poet um, due to illness not being able to make it, so as a special treat I thought I'd read from the recently published collection Seasons Voices 30 Years of Hawke's Bay Live Poets Society which was published uh, late last year and it has um, a collection of poets who um, mostly regularly read at at the gatherings that are now in Taradale in um, the Theosophical Hall in Devonshire Place. So I'm going to pick through this book. I've got no idea how many I'll get through. I'll read as many poets as I can. The first one is Bronwyn Bryant. And she's got a poem called Napier, 1950s. In that town, where streets are named for English poets, Tennyson runs into Emerson. Homes are constructed not of brick, but wood, which absorbs the shudder of tectonic plates rubbing flanks. Waves slap and suck on hard stone. Ships slide out of sight over a horizon that shimmers into the arms of the land. Norfolk pines penetrate the too big sky. Hills shoulder the clouds aside, There's no escaping the sun, or the scent of one flower or another, Daphne, wisteria, lily of the valley, the curly blossoms on the lemon tree. Totara grow on the grass verge, on clear nights their shadows stretch under the fence to a villa, a sash window, and a girl, chin on hand, marvelling, at a moon as yet unwalked on. Bronwyn Bryant. <clears throat> so you probably hear the pages um, flicking as I go through and <clears throat> pick a poem out. This one is by Mr. Ken Carmichael. It's called War Babies. I did not like my leather coat for it dragged along the ground. My mother made me wear it. She said it cost a pound. But I knew she got from an airman who came and stayed the night. He stayed again another time. My sister got a bike. After many months, my dad came home. He was all quiet and sad. He never talked about the wondrous times that he had had. He just sat on the verandas in his favourite wicker chair. 
and looked into the distance with a cold and angry stare. We never knew if he had done some great or little thing, for he didn't talk and he didn't laugh and never heard him sing. Dad soon passed on and Mum went too, and now my sister's gone. I am old and weak and tired. My time will not be long. But I still have my leather coat. It hangs behind the door. I am too tall and too far round. It doesn't fit me any more. But I keep it to remind me of one small but precious thing. To take the time to share my tales and talk and laugh and sing. War Babies, Ken Carmichael. The next poem is by Christine Climo. It's called Love. Like ice cubes melting, love can soften a smile, a heart, noiselessly. Like an ice flow melting, love can crack, explosively, to burst in laughter, raucously. Christine Climo. This next poem is by Cherry Dingermans, who we miss. She's no longer with us, but we, we often have her poems read at our meetings. <clears throat> by Patrick, her husband. This is called Essential Ingredient. A little girl said to our grandson, aged four, Hold out your hand, Ra. I have something for you. What is it? he said, holding out his delicious little hand. Friendship dust, she said, sprinkling it on his outstretched palm. Friendship dust, I think we need more of that. Soft, sweetly scented, with a hint of starlight. Posties could drop it into letter boxes. Garden centres could mix it with compost for us to spread on our gardens. Concrete trucks could spill it out on new driveways. Road workers could layer it onto new footpaths. Bakers could add it to bread and hot cross buns. We could sprinkle some into casseroles and fish pies. We could add it to our bath water. We could put packets of it in our linen's cupboards, add it to our soap powder. Helicopters with monsoon buckets could drop it over forests and towns. Top-dressing planes could dust paddocks and villages with it. Firefighters could put it in their tankers. Container ships could transport it round the world. Priests could mix it with incense and communion wine. Doctors could add it to flu shots. So keep some in your pantry and use generously. A little goes a long way. Nice message there, Cherry Dingamans. <clears throat> Let's see. Jenny Dobson. This is called Finks. I learn a word, 
thinks. Origin unknown. Fibrous residue. Scraped, I suppose, from those cauldrons. Left and yet resourceful woman that I am. I imagine it useful. A kerosene tin of it under the sink for scrubbing, polishing, fire starting. I stand apart from that, slicing, heaving, that great hauling, those howling fires. I do not raise any shout. I do not brush away the smoke. Those remnants are in my hands. Jenny Dobson. The next one is by Jason Michael Dunn. It's called The Parade. Penned into gardens, prides of petals, pur purity, prey on curiosity. When we have children, the centre of our being leaves our bodies, radiates from their beings. The sky's defiant glory imposes peace. The sea invites grief. Somewhere in back, a perfectly good home, where heart has been restrained, willfully waylaid through curtain breeze. Simple flowers, please. I am living art. I am living song. Philosophy. Let's dance away the wrong. I gave up silence, gleaned from gardens on the beach, to take home peace. That's Jason Michael Dunn. And here's a poem by Marie Dunningham, who we also terribly miss from our meetings. Um, And this one is actually written for Jenny Dobson, who I read just a short while ago. It's called Jenny Dobson. Your poems are like a ballet dancer, on point, poignant, ephemeral, light. Words float, are grasped, used and let go again. Afterwards, unwinding your ballet shoes, your toes are bleeding. Marie Dunningham. Yes. Uh, This next one is by Penelope Foster. It's called Old House. Old House. Or is it, once again, a new abode? Sporting its updated, on-trend restyling. It wears new clothes. It's solid. Stood the test of time. Bones can carry off this fresh new look. We know about fine feathers and fine birds. Its white face gleams. Windows sparkle in the light. New feet tread its floors. And yet... The ghosts of past inhabitants linger long and cannot be painted away like stains. They have their voice. A door creaks. 
despite the oiling, and sometimes the walls sigh softly. Penelope Foster. Let's see who's coming next. Bethany Gardner. This one is called Yellow to Blue. Vincent of Starry Starry Nights, where you stored your dreams in painted yellow stars. You portrayed yourself in hues of blue and grey, a mouth never set in a smile, eyes that saw dark shades that told of twisted sadness. In your yellow house, red blood flowed to match your one-eared rage, and lost you, housemate Paul, to roller-coaster moods. But you knew your torture, you painted it well, and now we sing of you in lyrics of yellow and blue. Vincent van Gogh, um, homage perhaps it is, um, Bethany Gardner. <clears throat> this next poet is Nick Henriksen. It's called, We Will Remember Them. War, war. Marching onward for king and country to the echoes of the Spandau Ballet, slaughter of the lambs who pray that they shall be triumphant and their enemies slain. War, war, they have insulted us, see. Company, halt, die at ease. War, war, to the beat of the drum. Our family fought and died for freedom, not for us to throw away, and let them take our rights away. War, war, lest we forget, and with the going down of the sun, we will remember them. Nick Henriksen. Right, who's next? This is... Benita H. Cape. If I've mispronounced your name, Benita, please forgive me. <clears throat> Here we go. Stuck to the bottom of the porridge pot. First haiku of the day. Well, that's a good... Um, that's a good little way to start your day, isn't it? To write a haiku. Perhaps she did write that as she was getting the porridge off the bottom of that pot. The next poem is by Fleming Christensen. It's called The Poet's Silence. <clears throat> Late in the evening, when it is silent outside and in, and you can hear the shh, of the poet's hand sliding across the page in short bursts of movement. Words begin to glide down the page. A distant downhill skier descending sheer slopes, parting glistening snow in warm butter knife slicing. This is the poet carving black ink into soft 
snow-white fields of ice. Let us gather and words appear, collecting like snowflakes caught on rocky outcrops, each one gasping at another, hanging precariously to words above and below, finding meaning, a voice to speak, a reason to be. Do not shout as you stand in the valley of a poem. Just listen, for its letters and words will crumble from verse and stanza. In an avalanche of tumbling characters that buries everything in its wake, at the bottom of the valley it lies, beneath the blinding glare of an empty A4 icy sheet. A silent scream that, when discovered, will again search the highest peak to roar anew across the valley for all to hear. Fleming Christensen. Um, moving along. Here we go. This one is by Trish Lambert. It's called On a Whim. God made me human. She was feeling capricious that day. Actually, I was meant to be a frog. Green and certain, self-contained, content to simply squat and peer, tongue a passing bug. Observer of two worlds at home and both, a leap in waiting. Able when need or impulse dictates to skedaddle with the nonchalance of a Buddha. Frog had I such toes, such elegant legs, I too could scrutinize the mysteries of pools, the undersides of lily pads. I too would peer from eyes, equally efficient in air or water, see here an azure sheet thrown over trees, there a shifting silvered ceiling propped by the myriad twisted stems of light stalking water plants. Do you wonder, frog, whether there are other ponds? Do you dream a dream of elsewhere? Do you pause to peer skywards, harbour a secret wish for things? Ah, what may lie beyond your pull? But perhaps I ascribe too much mystery to you, frog. You simply are. Whilst I am stuck in wondering, pondering complexities, I just need to cur plunk. <laughs> Trish Lambert. <clears throat> and I, I can't help wonder if she's referencing Basho's famous haiku. How does that go? An old silent pond. A frog jumps into the pond. Splash. Silence again. Yeah. The passing by of life. This next poem is by 
Sarah Little, and it's called Lilypad. I slouch there on the banks of that river's bed, slowly beholding this sad scene, as if it was carved out just for me. So sobering was that breeze, it lifted her chin up and sent her hair twistering around her crunched knees, as light as a feather drenched in oil from the deep murky sea. She sat upon a lily pad, muddling her fingers at the seams and wiping her nose with her sleeve. She did not wipe her eyes, I noted, as mist shrouded her beauty whilst she floated on this magical deep green sea. As time unravelled and my mind dabbled in all the curious possibilities as to why this fair maiden be so laden with heartache and misery, as life would have it, I somehow popped back into my version of reality. It was not until years later, when I lay by my father's side, watching his last breath excavate its way through his body, when I empathised that I may be that fair maiden, laden with heartache and misery, but the possibility that was, and always has been, that these tears flow endlessly to keep the balance of the steady stream. Sarah Little This one is called Barney, and it's by Jock Ross Mackenzie, also much missed from the Hawke's Bay Live Poets, um, and the husband of Sonia Mackenzie. Barney. Barney, Barney, born to die before you took a bride, running, fighting, bleeding, bayonet by your side. You had no hall or acres you leave, no work behind. The only thing you ever did was kill one of your kind. Barney, Barney, gone to dust, your flesh mingled with the clay. Twenty years in shocking fear till the breaking of the day. Till the breaking of the day? What monstrous, mindless rot! A shallow, rocky grave and cross was all you ever got. If the day should ever break, do you think that you'd be found? Barney, Barney, born to die, you're but a hollow in the ground. Jock Ross Mackenzie. And here's one from Sonia. Sonia Mackenzie. <clears throat> That's called The Clearing. Seemed a good day for a walk. I wandered slowly, all I can manage now. About me, many birds kept up the talk. 
discussing the pros and cons, or maybe the why and how of the presence of the human. Not too far into the trees, a clearing disclosed a concrete slab and bricks from a broken chimney. I sat gingerly, elbows on knees, and considered these relics. My shuffling foot discovered an old enamel mug. Closing my eyes, my mind saw them. A woman, long skirt, bucket in hand. She came for a better life in a new land. A babe held tightly to her chest by a tartan, tartan shawl. A man axe in hand for clearing the land. A child holding out his mug for milk from the bucket. Sustenance from their land. Blinking, I spied a rabbit hopping away, as is their habit, soon hidden in the patch of yellow gorse. Both from another land. Sonia McKenzie This is by Ian McQuillan, and it's called Sting. Mission Concert, 2011. Sting, the main act. When asked who her mum and dad were going to hear, Katie, three and a half, thought a little and replied, Bumblebees. Ian McQuillan This next poem is by Maria Jose Munoz. It's called Daydreamer. Daydreamer, who dreams impossible dreams. You laugh and come silent, without time and with breaks. Your hypnotised gaze travels very far. Dreamer, where do your wings fly? Lover of silence, wordless traveller. I envy your secret world of infinite limits, where only you live, dreamer, with your games and your ghosts, jealous of your territory. Guardian of your broken dreams. Lover of silence, you walk aimlessly, stop, smile, and keep your head down. There are no landscapes in your eyes, nor sea in your tears. There is only way. Daydreamer who dreams impossible dreams, let me lose myself in your maze. Hide in your gaze, dream other worlds with you. Wordless traveller, Maria Jose Munoz. This next poem is by A.L. Ping. It's called A Poem You Will Never Read. Over a dark silence. They find me, my family. I hear a thin call, 
come back. Duty is a long ellipse to travel on. At banquets in a Chinese restaurant, the circle assumes completeness. Chopsticks feed like wading birds over a low tide of gravy, steamy soup bowls, glutinous rice, tables with centres that turn. I've seen this ritual shape all occasions, leaving, reunion, leaving. My father, terracotta soldier on guard with your terracotta horse. I hugged you goodbye. Our family turned away, averted their eyes. And that was just our third embrace since I learned to disobey. Your check was in my pocket, a gift horse on a lightly held rein. This country now is home, and I am my own son. Confucian, ethic, filial piety, racial purity, strands of the helix unravelling, in the hands of an earthenware man, in the lightness of your arms' reluctance. A. L. Ping This next poem is by Jan Soper. It's called The Man Who Mentioned the War. A man who had been in the war started to talk about the blood and the mud, the rats who swarmed around them in the ground as they lay in the trenches, about boils and disease, lice and fleas, words that turned septic, that turned bad, men who went mad. One young man standing by turned an indifferent eye. Old man, he said, you're such a bore. Unlike your lot, I'm sure our generation will never go to war. Jan Soper This next one is from Carol A. Stewart. It's called We Once Made a Promise for Barry. I'm slowing down, but love does not. Despite the fight to be fleet of feet, the leap of love is slower now, flexing out, I am brought to my knees. You remain a steady rock, and one and one still make plus for us. Promises kept are met, though we're not swept along as fast. Listen to the words of love on late night radio. Memory shakes and awakes. The words have come true, 
and I still love you forever and ever, my sweetheart. That was a Valentine's Day poem, Carol A. Stewart. Tony Svensson wrote the next poem. It's called Life on a High Wire. Prepare to live your life from your youth. Death has a habit of cutting life short at an inopportune time. One can fall from a low or high limb of life's tree. If you want to be a pianist on the stage, practice the piano from an early age diligently. If you want to be an artist, work brushes on paper. Every minute your young life finds free. Treat the profession you choose to work in as if you were a high flyer in a circus. If you want to perform on the high trapeze, but don't train in these basics from long before, be prepared to lie on the ring floor with the last thing you ever view, the empty trapeze bar swinging empty over you. Tony Svensson. This poem is by Dorothy Farahoka. And it's, I'm sad to say, another name, another person who we miss a great deal from our meetings. Uh, But we remember her poetry, of course, and this one is called Products of Change. Over millennia, winds of change have blown our family seeds to these southern isles. Our roots have spread through the fertile soil-seeking sustenance, developing our essence, assimilating, mingling, creating the hybrids we now are. Precariously rooted here, where the earth tremors under our feet and voracious tides nibble at our shores, where the rival siblings of mythology continue their battle for supremacy, subjecting us to drought and flood. We do well to remember we are all from immigrant stock, which has also changed the face of this land. We are the products of change. And that's Dorothy Barahoka. K.E. White wrote this next poem. It's called Solitude. I sit alone. Inside my kitchen door, and life, it seems, is really just a bore. My friends don't come around. I am alone. It seems to me they never seem to phone. I sacrificed my life to come back here. There is nought in my life that's dear to me. My cousins to the funeral, they came down. But did I get a hug from them? I frown. They stripped the house and cleaned the cutlery. I suppose they thought that that would set me free. I to the garden went to pick some flowers. 
It must have taken my dear mother hours. For violet posies she did make for sale. I see my posy on the coffin and wail. K. White So, we've still got quite a bit of time left, actually, which is good. This next poem is by Valentina Teklich. It's called A Firebird on Fire. The artist painted birds, all kinds of birds, in the early stage of his madness. He felt that the flight of birds ignited his inspiration and conferred him strength to hold in his hand different brushes for hours, giving life to shapes and colours, bringing meaning to his own life that was draining like hurried sand through the fingers of time. The artist loved every bird vibrating on the canvas, The birds knew this and loved him in silence, continuing their flight through the horizon of his soul. The artist's mind has travelled from one stage of madness to another and his work expressed a roller coaster of emotions, telling stories about life and death, about the flight of the free spirit and about an artist consumed by his own creation. A firebird on fire. Valentina Teklitsch. This next one is by Marty Smith. I must say it's quite a well-known poem, this one too. It's called Agnes Day. I carried the lamb in a sack on my horse, the tongue hanging grey and limp. It's buggered, said Dad. Throw it in the creek. The creek leaked, dimpled. Small bubbles whirled. It rumpled where I was looking. The water shadowed half blue black. Deep just there, with duckweed floating out, The yards behind, all noise, the cattle swirling up, air swelled with dust and bellowing. Flies lighted on and off the rails. I took the lamb and kneeled in the pudgy mud, both hands under it, under the water, laid it carefully into the shocked cold. It hardly struggled, There was so little left. Put the bloody thing out of its misery, I heard in my head as I pushed it under, and the water shuddered. Get the hell out of that, he yelled at my back. You macabre little bastard. It might have been ghoulish. He was good with words. The yards were sweating hot. Dad wiped his hat band, the sack smelling of stiff, dry flax. I wiped my nose, my hand all mud and numb. The birds hummed, in rain and wind, 
I go out all hours on my lambing beat. He's the shadow of me, always riding beside me. Let it go, he said quietly. And I let it go, floating. It bobbed, and the sun caught the eye, closing. Shush, shush, said the creek. Marty Smith. So I'm flicking through. I've, I'm going to find some people we haven't heard from. Ah, yes. Leah Kelly. This is called How Pathetic. You can hear him from the kitchen. In fact, all over the house. He grunts, he snorts, he thinks he's dying, blows his nose, his eyes are closed. I think he's choking. It's terrifying. The look on that face would scare you to death. He's not a pretty sight at all. Croaking, hand on head, mouth hanging open. Wonder if he'll have trouble drawing another breath. I'm exhausted. No sleep. I'm just not coping. A man in a bed with a cold is pathetic. It's a near-death experience for sure. Well, I've had enough of being sympathetic. It's Friday. A whole week has passed. I've decided to sleep in the car. Don't tell him where I am if he asks. What a great idea, for sanity's sake. I need a break. I'm exhausted. Give me half a dozen kids any day. This man has worn me out. How my head aches. Too many dramatics. I've had enough. I'm off to the mini minor. I can sleep rough. Got my pillow, blanket, chockey bar and book. Mobile phone, socks and slippers on my feet. A peaceful night sleeping. Oh, what a treat. Thermos with tea, ginger nuts to dunk for supper. I'm all wrapped up cosy in the back seat. Saturday's here. Lo and behold, he's up and dressed. Last night he was dying. He was on his way out. He needs the car. What for? Have you guessed? A very important cargo, there's no doubt. In they go. Golf clubs, trundler, etc. At last I'm blessed. I'm off to my bed for a very long rest. <laughs> Leah Kelly. Oh, that's a funny one. <clears throat> okay, I'm just flicking through listeners, I believe. We might have to have a double up if I've not used up all of our time. Ah, we haven't heard from Megan Allardyce. This is called Forest Poem. These hills are poker dotted. Yellowed spots of herbicide indicate the sites of a thousand future trees. Three months on, van loads of foresters will come with one, 
two, three cuts of this shovel, shaking, loosening black earth, placing the skinny seedlings, stamping them in, moving to the next spot. In a quarter century, following the rounds of thinning, pruning, measuring, these hills will be shorn of their tree-like locks, laid bare. It has happened multiple times. A little is lost every time. Fragments of earth, bone, skin, threads and shards. A little is lost of these hills in each of seven, eight, nine cycles. But the teeth of the iwi of Tane Mahuta, their stolen eyeballs, are long since dispersed have for generations bitten down upon strange land, turned upon landscapes unknown, longed for liquid green light, filtered through a high, dark canopy. Megan Allardyce. So, I'm flicking pages, dear listeners, and I wasn't going to read one of mine, but since I'm in the book and there's time, I suppose I should. Right. This one is called Legend. Powder Ham was straight up and hardly ever down. He'd wrap his laughing gear around life most days. You bet he could suss out a damn vibe. He was ASAP too. When he took the car keys off a shit-faced mate, the neighbourhood blurted, You're a legend! Just like the bloody billboard. Another time, he prevented a decent bloke getting a good kicking. Ah, the locals were always causing a stink during the cold, misty months. But they'll be dancing in the summer, he told himself. He liked to say that everyone should give up the smokes, stop robbing dairies and eat a good brekkie. Go for a run up that damn mountain, why don't you? As for Dak and P, why choose a munted life? With a belly full of chicken nuggets, he could always handle the jandal. Licking the fat off his fingers was sweet as. His auntie, who knew how to disconnect a power meter and never liked anything that sounded like a permanent care arrangement, thought Powderham was a little shit. But she had nothing on him and was furious that he wasn't just another loser in the family. Her best idea was to walk into the ocean and say, To hell with everyone. He was sad, she carked it. But she was an egg. Powderham's work and income case manager reckoned he was a good little bugger. It was hard yakker getting a job, and he never told any farkin' furfies. He never got on the terps. He never knocked up any horny birds. He never packed a sad. Powderham loved listening to radio waves. Sometimes he stood on street corners impersonating T-Rex. 
He never even asked for a fiver. Powderham was good at waiting. He never even wondered, Where's my solid gold? Easy action. That's Legend by Jeremy Roberts. This poem is by Mary Ellen Warren. It's called Blueberries on My Porridge, Ten Times Removed. Carefully, I spoon frozen blueberries from the self-sealing pouch purchased from the New World Frozen Food section, stocked by part-time, underaged and retired night staff, offloaded from the Gilmore's Frozen Food Behemoth in the middle of the night, coming from a central depot previously shipped from the Hastings factory. On to my porridge. Thanks sorters and pickers from far and near Flaxmere, paid for performance, not to forget the bankers, advertisers and human resources, presumably well reimbursed. The blueberry plants imported from North America, where I first found them in 57, growing wild on Blueberry Hill, Sudbury. Food for thought, now, to add a sprinkle of chia seeds. Mary Ellen Warren. That's maybe the second breakfast uh, poem we've had in this reading. And it just shows you there's poetry in everything. Now, I'd like to read a poem by Keith Thorson, who is the originator the initiator of Hawke's Bay Live Poets 30-odd years ago at the old Cat and Fiddle. And Keith came to the launch of this book in 22 um, and read a number of poems, and you may have even heard him interviewed on this radio show. So this is a well-known one. It's called Dancing in the Isle. The lemon sun had bleached the blue from the hydrangeas. The bell was asleep at the tower. I crossed the mushrooms, wild around the headstones. The church swung open at the hinges. There was a riot in the nave, a raging of the sun. Through stained glass, Golgotha, the lemon light, Boomed blue hydrangeas off the hymnboard, scattered violets at the altar, rolled clover down the aisle. Wild cries of wind rippling through my willow bones, I whirled, arms flying up at the elbows, ecstasy profane and holy, touch my waist, here and there, Pour down my throat till I blaze with lights loosening, till I speak the tongue of cobwebs in the morning, and when I can truly float, let's dance up there, where the dust drifts like fireworks. Keith Thorson. Yes, he um, kick-started the old um, Orcs Bay Poetry Live, Live Poets. Here's a poem by Joan Sy, 
Thoughts on Music Music with a lilt is my delight, making my feet and legs take flight, waltzing to a romantic tune, surrounded by people in a ballroom. The haunting sound of bagpipes in the air reminds me of family in Scotland fair. Jazz in New Orleans, a stirring beat, brings happiness, fun and dancing feet. The music of light opera, Gilbert and Sullivan, I confess, conjures up memories of joyful music and fancy dress. Nature has her own music and rippling water and mighty falls, and in the trills and whistles of birdsong calls. Music is but poetry and song, a bonus to this life that we belong. Joan Sai. So we're very nearly at the end of the reading time. I'm just going to flick, flick. Can you hear that? I'm convinced there must be somebody I've missed, but perhaps not. I might just have to pick one more by somebody. Oh, Bill Sutton. We haven't heard from Bill. Okay. This is called The Big Rake. Somewhere in the space-time continuum, there's a fading print of a small boy in a towering rage with a tear-streaked face, wielding the big rake high above his head. His twin tormentors, the Cooling sisters, thought it a joke. It was Mrs. Cooling took the photo, and there's no record of laughing and jeering, but I remember it. Billy Button! Billy Button! Bill Sutton. Thank you, Bill. And here's our final poem by M.D. Rogers. It's called Naked. A cliff. Edge calibrations. Stranded in the naked and talking to herself. A deliberate echo making her manners for the dead. Icarus rising, Narcissus falling, storms arriving, and nothing remains of the same. Icarus falls, Narcissus flowers, and Lazarus again. One steps forward, two steps back, edge calibrations, Tenuously maintained. M.D. Rogers. And thank you very much for listening. Um, And we look forward to seeing you again soon with a new guest poet that I'm lining up ready to be interviewed. Bye-bye, everybody.
This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.